Welcome to the Tom Castro Shooting Academy podcast. You have now entered the next level. Welcome, welcome to the Tom Castro Shooting Academy Next Level Podcast. I have a special guest, Mr. Alex Mansfield from Manny Talk Shooting. So you guys, um, I actually joined his podcast uh, not that long ago, so now I'm bringing him onto mine. And it's been a very, 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 very busy month for me, so I uh, figured I'd catch up with you guys a little bit. I'm a little bit behind on some of my podcasts because I've been traveling around so much. So Alex, how you been, brother? I'm doing good. I am finally, I feel like recovering from the weekend. <laughs> so you've had a very busy uh, month as well. Yeah, it's been pretty much nonstop. You've had, um, you've worked Buckeye Blast, which is in Ohio. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? Two, three weeks ago? Yeah, about three weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, Buckeye Blast. And then uh, you also worked Area 5, but you were... You were a much bigger part of Area 5 than you were Buckeye Blast, right? At Buckeye Blast, you were just a standard RO or? Yeah, so, yeah, for Buckeye Blast, I just worked a stage. I was a CRO on my stage. Um, but then for Area 5, uh, half of the match I was assisting with stats. And then they, due to the lack of staff um, at the end, by the time the match rolled around, I got through on the largest bay. Um, <laughs> and we, we crushed it, though. After we figured it out, after, like, the first two squads, we crushed it, so. You were on the uh, the the hated the hated squad the or the stage. Everybody hated that stage. For I like that stage actually, even though it was hard. <laughs> but I like yeah. hard stuff, so I like hard yeah. I like hard shit like that. Yeah, I enjoyed that one too, and we'll probably talk more about it later. Yeah, for but, sure. But yeah, I I just thought it was hilarious that everybody uh, they just instantly hate that that bay is definitely like the nightmare of Area Five. Like it's always the worst bay the hardest stage it's your biggest bay at that match so it you know we'll definitely get into that more but uh because I, I definitely want to kind of compare some of this year versus last year at area five but let's start off with buckeye blast first because that was the first time we've actually ever shot together too was area uh was buckeye right yeah we met in person yeah. for the first time yeah that's right that's right um that was a good match that was a uh, a very well ran match that had um there's definitely something going on with in ohio and michigan with uh, one-handed Virginia count, 25 yard bombs, uh, for shooting. And I'm, I'm interested in why. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know what it is. I, I guess they just, everyone wants to test certain skills. Right. And, um, as you know, from like last year, area five, we pretty much had the same stage again, but they changed it to fixed time, which is a little bit different, but right. pretty much the same concept, but it didn't hurt as many feelings. I think. Right. Well, I'm proud to say that I actually won that stage high overall with the pistol. I'm the only pistol. Oh, I, I won it with pistol. Um, so I'm excited about that because Virginia count has been a son of a bitch for me in the last couple of matches. So I'm glad that I could remember how to count and I shot really well with one hand. So I was like, yay, I did it. <laughs> yeah. And well, it definitely wasn't as punitive this time because it didn't have a slasher back there as well. So at least you had two open paper in the back. Yeah. He put it um, this, you know, it's funny though. The slasher hasn't bothered me at all. I've actually did well on those. The one that killed me was the tuxedo and they put that back in there. And actually, uh, I actually got all of them. I had four alphas on that. So I was happy about that. So if anybody who hasn't shot, uh, last year's area five or this year's area five, they had a stage set up to where there was uh 25 yard targets, three set up and you're in one box. And then you had to reload mandatory reload run to the right or run to the left, whichever one you started in. And then the, the closer targets, what were those about 12, 15 yards? You think 
maybe 10 maybe 10 yeah they were they seemed they seemed a lot closer because the other ones were so far away <laughs> mm-hmm. but they all had really tight no shoots on them so they gave you just i mean basically a head box in the a zone above the the no shoots is what they basically gave you so maybe a quarter of the target for the a if you're lucky mm-hmm. so we shot uh i chose to shoot um the far targets with strong hand and the closer targets with weak hand and I actually shot all alphas on the no shoot targets with freestyle and weekend. And then I had, um, I shot, I guess I only had one Charlie, a couple Charlies. And then a, I had a Delta, which I think I actually shot that freestyle like a dumbass trying to transition. So uh, it was on a wide open target or I would have had a mic obviously, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I um, shooting that, that stage, they took the only thing I didn't like that they did. And there's a few things about the Michigan match that, that area five that I didn't like that they changed was when they made it a uh, no penalty mics. Uh, When they made it a part-time, they took away the mics. And I was like, dude, like that is kind of part of the skill. So now guys just kind of freely shot. And if they had a mic, it was, it didn't hurt their feelings. And I didn't like that part of it because I was like, that is kind of an important part of that stage. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That can change some, change some scores but i know a lot of people got upset last year that the match was too hard so (laughs) well yeah and even that like i went to a match the weekend before area five and they set up something very similar it was a lot closer because they're bay restrictions right but i didn't think the virginia count was too punitive even with it being like five well let's see the back targets were probably about five yards closer yeah so and still i mean i don't think it was that bad yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think when they changed the the targets in the back, it made it a lot less painful uh, because they didn't do all slashers. I mean, I don't think last year they even put an open target back there. Uh, I think it was two slashers and a, a tuxedo, if I remember correct, correctly. Uh, I think no. did they give you an open target? Yeah. So the leftmost target was open paper. Okay. Tux, so, and then a slasher. slasher. Yeah. Okay. So they were a little nicer this year. So that was nice. But uh, I don't know. I just. That was a stage that I shot pretty well last year. I had a mic last year, uh, but this year I actually didn't have any mics. So, which was, I guess it would have been better to have that this year if I needed to have one, if I was going to have a no penalty mic, but uh, I actually don't think that stage was as difficult as last year for sure. When they made the par time, I shot that. And I actually, (laughs) I actually shot the target when I shot strong hand side, I shot all the targets and I reloaded my gun and put it back in the holster. And the beep went off <laughs> and I didn't shoot it like particularly fast. I just shot like my sights and I shot, you know, pretty well, I guess. And then I saw a guy in the background yelled like, Jesus, man, the guy, he could have eaten a cheeseburger. I'm like, why am I hearing what he's saying right now? Instead of focusing on the next, the next string. <laughs> now I'm really curious of who actually said that. Cause I knew it was on your squad and yeah. I'm, now I'm really curious. It wasn't Nils if you're at <laughs> or John. So yeah. I was just one of the other guys. It was funny. I had a great squad. It, it was funny because. I don't want to say this is funny because it was tough for me sometimes because uh, first of all, I'm shooting against John, uh, John Vlager and Nils Jonasson. So obviously two of the best shooters in the sport, but 90% of the rest of the squad was also either students or friends that I have coached. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it was very hard for me to turn off the coaching button um, and not try to focus on, on still coaching them or watching their scores or, or whatever. So that was not easy. So that was for sure. I mean, I ended up hanging out with Matt Kobe the whole weekend, so that was kind of cool. I haven't seen him in, I'm like, I think it's been almost a year since he moved up there. 
So we shot together on the same squad. That was fun. He was well behaved. I didn't have to yell at him for talking too much trash. That was good. Yeah. Uh, and I was uh, I was proud to see him uh, finish the match with his PCC, <laughs> but it wasn't guys, also um, like forty degrees out. So. Right. I uh, I really enjoyed your guys' podcast together. So I I really liked that. It was nice to have. It was kind of nostalgia for me to hear some of the stories that he was telling, and you know, just to kind of see Matt like that guy's the ultimate quitter, right? He he quits quitting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like he quits quitting and i keep telling him, i was like dude you can't even quit quit <laughs> you know <laughs> like <laughs> he's always he's it's hilarious so he was like man maybe i'm gonna go back and get a pistol again i'm like you just sold your canic so he he's a trip. Well, guy's he, a trip he said he was gonna shoot carry optics and then he sold it. right oh. right he's a trip dude because he's he wanted to shoot carry optics because and, and this is kind of what it's always been for everybody is it, it really does suck to shoot a dead division Right. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's not dead. PCC isn't dead, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not very strong in his area. So, you know, again, he's like, man, I'm shooting against three people. So it, that's not fun. You know, when you don't really have anybody to compare yourself to, or you can't really look at your scores and, you know, you're beating up on a revolver guy. That's not the best of, uh, you know, not the best things to kind of challenge yourself and, and do your stuff. Yeah, I agree. That definitely sucks, especially depending on if you travel or if you stay at your own like centralized club, you only get whatever comes there. So I definitely feel his pain for yeah. a while. There was only like five open shooters at our club. Now it's grown to like 13, 14. So it's at least respectable. What are most of those guys? What's most of those classific shooters classifications? Most like in open at least. Yeah. Or? For you, like who are you shooting against right now? So currently I think, uh, Walt is a, and then the rest are, there's a couple B's and mostly C's. Yeah. So, so do you guys, have you ever had like a really like good GM come out of your club? Out of there? No. Yeah. Cause people, people will visit, but no one, there's no, well, I, I can't say a couple years ago, there was a guy named John Chinchen and he was shooting carry optics. And I think he might be the only GM in Michigan, but he doesn't actively shoot anymore because he, right. uh, he's a doctor now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I noticed where your best shooters always come out of clubs that have a lot of you know, really good heat, um, mm-hmm. a lot of good shooters. So like, uh, I was talking to Nils and, and like where he's out of is out of Arizona. And I mean, he comes out of, I think it's Rio, Rio Salado. Oh yeah. So, and I'm like, I'm talking to him. He's like, yeah, Robbie Latham, you know, all these guys are coming out of that place and I'm going, you don't really have much of a choice, but to get better. If you really actually have a competitive bone in your body. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sucks when you have, when I was talking to Matt, uh, being in Michigan, he was like, man, it, it's been snowing like, you know, and, and then if it snows, a lot of guys don't want to shoot in it, which I don't disagree, but a lot of guys won't, even if it's just like a light or a, a really cold day and it's not snowing, a lot of guys will just cancel the match. So it really kind of takes away from that, you know, staying up on your game throughout, throughout those winter months. Uh, and yeah. for you, like your home club is Brooklyn. Is are you close to there or far from there? Or how far do you live from that place? Um, the Google map says 52 minutes, but it's about 45 with my lead foot. <laughs> is that your average? Is that your range that you practice at when you actually have time to get out there and practice? I'll be honest with you. I don't go live fire, live fire practice. <laughs> <laughs> we well, I'm telling that. you because you're my, you're my friend and my coach. So I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> we gotta fix some of that. You gotta I, get some of that live fire in there. I do, and uh, I'm working on that. I got to figure. Some, there's, there's a club. Well, it's a private range, but you got to go take some Pack Timmy class to be a member there, right? So, because they bought the range from the old entity. Oh, like, okay. But there's two. Ba- and it's dude. It's two minutes from work. 
Oh yeah. You got to do that. Yeah. That's worth and, the class. Yeah. Just make sure, dude, this is how you pass the class. As soon as you get done shooting, just do this. <laughs> and you're rocking. You're ready to go. Look left, look right, and you're clear, right? Or or if you see a target, yell out contact, no matter what. Don't use a timer. Just use yell contact, and you're good to go. You're, you're, exactly. You're good. All vests, yeah. get, your, get your gear on, get your, your kit, your helmet, your vest, you're good. So, yeah, I um. So when you go to practice, because I know, um, you know, you, you, <laughs> it's still not cheap to shoot. Um, when you go to practice, we'll talk and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how to practice. So it'll save you a fortune because, right. um, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was I didn't, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. And it, it had nothing to do with, it really didn't have anything to do with like what I was practicing. It was just, I didn't have a plan. So like I was practicing exactly what I should have practiced. I just didn't know, like I was just shooting rounds. I didn't understand like, oh, I'm actually supposed to analyze like what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I thought I was just supposed to shoot a bunch and then get, that's how I gain all the experience. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that's like really dumb. Now, right. now I know that obviously, but right. like I tell everybody all the time. And sometimes I feel like I just, you know, people take this with a grain of salt because they look at me and they're like, well, you're a coach. That's why you're saying that. But the biggest mistake I ever made was I didn't take a class. I wish I would have taken a class. It would have, man, I would have had a lot of money in the bank. I could have had three Mark sevens by the time I took the money back that I spent trying to figure it out. So, yeah, well, you didn't take a Tim Heron class. What till what? Six months ago, maybe. Yeah. So my, so I didn't even take Tim's class. I actually was hosting Tim and I just happened to join in there for some of the things. I didn't even shoot all the drills. There was a couple of times that Tim was like, I want you to participate. And we, he, we did a couple of drills at like towards the end of the day. And I was like, I knew we were getting close on time. Like I know he wanted to get some other stuff in. So he goes, Hey man, you want to do this? I go, I'm good, bro. And he start. he goes, okay, cool. Let's move on. And so I was like, yeah, I do this all. I don't need this, Tim. I got this. Like, this is not a drill that I need to work on a lot. Like I do this all the time at my own. So I'm good. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I did JJ's class was the first class I ever took. Oh, that's um, right. And actually I did JJ's class thinking I was just going to be a better coach. I didn't even think I needed that much work on my shooting. Um, not, not because I didn't think I needed to get better, but I was just like, well, I'm here just to learn how to coach better. Right. I mean, that guy's got 20 plus years of experience. Um, I believe he's got 20 years as a coach. So I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm going to go learn from this guy as a coach. I ended up becoming coming out of there with as a way better shooter. Um, just because I was catching things that he would say, or, or not even just so much that it was specific for me. It was just, I would see him talking to somebody else. I go, Oh shit. Okay. Let me, let me try to work on that little detail and add this little detail and that little detail. Um, and it, it really makes a difference. If you keep an open mind, you go into those classes like that at, at, at a high level, you learn a lot of stuff. Oh, 100%. So, I learned a lot in Tim's class, even though I disagree with a lot of the things that he did, or I shouldn't say disagree, but I didn't like the, the things that he was doing for me personally. Like he, I worked on a grip thing that he taught in the first day mm -hmm. for, I don't know, the entire first day. And I hated it, but oh, I did it the entire day, the entire yeah. day. I did it the entire day. And my hands were destroyed because I was dicking around with the wrong grip, right? And my hands weren't like toughened up in those areas. And, um, at the end of the day, I was like, all right, cool. Then we ran the stage. I ran it with my grip and it was better. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm good. At least I gave it a try. And that's all you ask for as a coach, you know, just give me an honest shot and then tell me what you like. It's not, I don't care if you do it my way, just try my way and see what you think. Right. And it always sucks is, you know, you're always going to have those people in class as well. This is not what X, Y, Z says. And it's like, why the fuck did you pay me then? Like, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I have had, um, 
well, I guess I'm fortunate since I've done a lot of classes, but I've, I've been, uh, unfortunately I've had two students that I've had to, um, kind of yell at because of that. Like, just, it's like, I don't mind if you don't do what I ask, just don't argue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like there's zero, there should be no argument. Like you shouldn't be telling me that this doesn't work or that doesn't work. You haven't tried it. Right. Like, and again, it's like, there was some stuff that Tim said that I don't, I don't like that. I personally don't do, but I watched his students crush it with what he said. And I'm like, it works. That's all that matters is that the person that he's teaching or that is there is getting something out of it. Right. It doesn't matter that I don't use it. It matters that somebody else gets it. And that's what I always say. Your students will tell you if you're a good coach. Mm-hmm. 100%. So I've had people that are not GMs that are like, oh man, you know, they talk shit about people that aren't GMs that are coaches. I'm like, look, as long as their students are getting something for their money, it's all that matters. As long as they're learning from it, that might not be what you need, but as long as they're learning, I, it doesn't bother me to have somebody else have a different opinion in the, in the coaching world. I think that's how we grow as a, as a sport in general, or as a profession mm-hmm. is to have, have different perspectives, different ways to do it. There's a lot of ways to get this game done, you know? <laughs> So I'll become a better shooter. Oh, absolutely. But all right. So Buckeye Blast, bro. I got to get into this one because um, a little bit of spice in it, Buckeye Blast. But we'll get into that at towards the end of the conversation with Buckeye Blast. But fine with me. Um, so we shot together. We got to shoot staff day. And there was a couple of things that you brought up at um, at the end of staff day, like privately. We, we sent me a message about how to kind of mentally focus for staff day. So I definitely want to talk about that a little bit, but let's talk about the match first. So Mm -hmm. that was the first time that we have ever shot together. And the first time I've ever seen you in person shoot. And dude, I was very impressed with your hustle. Well, thank you. Very impressed with your hustle. So one of the things that's important to me isn't so much that you can shoot or not, right? Cause that's what I'm for. I'm there to teach you how to shoot better. But when I watched your effort, I was like, yeah, I can coach this guy. (laughs) It's pretty easy to coach somebody who thinks like I do, or has the effort level like at, and just wants to be faster. Right. And and puts the effort in. Cause at the end of the day, like some of the things that I'm learning the most in my classes is that it's not about, it's not really about gun speed. Like obviously that matters at some level, Mm -hmm. but when you're at your, so you're B class now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you get to that master grandmaster level, that's when the gun matters. Like you got, but at that point you should know how to shoot, right? Like you're not, you're not working on fundamentals as much. I mean, you always work on fundamentals, but it's, it's not as important as, uh, as it was. Cause you already have those kind of locked in. But one of the things I see the most is guys just cannot push that go button. Uh, and where they're pushing the go button when you have a conversation is always with the gun. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not where you go faster in the sport. You go faster with your transitions, your movement, your exits, your entries, putting your gun up sooner, shooting sooner. So basically has nothing to do with the gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you go to a, when you start watching people shoot, it's like, you got to move the gun, right? Not, not the bullets, not the slide, but you got to move the gun. You got to get the gun off the target. You got to take, stop taking three side pictures. You got to stop staring at the target for so long before you pull the trigger uh, and that's like one of the biggest things that I noticed when, when people shoot. So watching you shoot, that was something that you really worked on a lot. And I mean, at that point, did you, were you signed up in the insider circle at the time? I think you were there for like two weeks. It was like right before you went to that match, if I remember correctly. No, I no. So I, I signed up for the insider circle after Buckeye. Oh, after I, Buckeye. So right. After we met. And I got you. I, knew so it was I laid be, down a good impression, I guess. I hope. Well, I knew it was already going to be worth it, but I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to wait. 
so I can actually have some. I didn't have any real matches under my belt for the year yet, really. Right. So I was like, okay, I'll wait. I'll get some video and then throw right. it up. Yeah. So we had um, we shot how many stages did we shoot per day? Was it seven? Um, six. So well, yeah. So six per day plus chrono. So, but we reshot one. So. Mm. That's the one we're going to get into later. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, really, yeah, it was like seven, seven a day. So that's the match where uh, Nationals is going to be, or the, the range that Nationals is going to be at. It's called Cardinal. And um, I was a little concerned when we got there because, or when I saw the originally where they were going to do this match, because they didn't have, they don't have three berms on all the base. They have uh, one berm in the back and then two sidewalls, which are made out of wood mm-hmm. that have dirt in between them. Right. So yes, it's safe. You could shoot the sidewall if you had to, but it's going to destroy the wall. So they don't really do that. So what it was nice to see that Dan and Corey, uh, Dan click and what's Corey's last name? Cats. Cats. So Corey was on that Corey and Dan were running the match and they basically built um, bullet traps. So how you would work it is they were able to give you side shots on targets and they would just put a bullet trap behind it. And it actually worked out really well. It reminded me of a lot of videos I see of uh, indoor matches in Europe. Um, and actually, even some of their outdoor matches have those uh, because they have the side walls as well with concrete and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But so that made me uh, really excited to actually see that that match wasn't going to be just one berm for a national championship that, that I was kind of like, this is going to suck. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I came from a match or I came from a club that only had one berm and uh, it limits what you can do for your stages in many ways, unless you have some very creative matched, you know, match directors or stage designers. Yeah. And that gets boring just shooting down, like only being able to shoot down to the back berm is so boring. It's yeah. like, it's like, I mean, well, it's you great end up for lateral of, movement. Yeah. But. Well, that's the thing. You end up with a lot of lateral stages where you're just left to right or right to left, no forward, no backwards. Uh, you know, you're, you're very much so stuck with just straight run down the line, you know, left to right kind of thing. They, and you end up with a shit ton of ports and stages, like a lot of ports. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so it's like, Oh my God, this is the match of ports. And I've seen those before at, at um, other places that actually have three berms. So when you just put a bunch of ports up, it just sucks because it's just like, all right, cool. I'm going to run here and stop, run here and stop, run here and stop. You don't really have a lot of free flowing stages where you can, you know, yeah. come up with different plans. And you can't blend anything. It's just like, yeah, it just, it doesn't help. Yeah. You might, you, I mean, there are some stages that have ports. Like you guys had a couple stages that had some ports at area five that were, were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. That, that flowed pretty well. It was just, you were going into that port. Like <laughs> you were not skipping anything in any of those stages. For sure. If you had a corner, you worked it. You guys yeah. made people go to those corners. So, uh, but the Buckeye Blast, we shot six or six or seven stages uh, per day. And um, the day before, the day I walked stages, it was 40 something degrees. I had Florida a beanie man. on. Yeah, it was freaking. <laughs> well, I, listen, I like cold weather. If you didn't notice, I didn't wrap up in a jacket uh, any other day, but that day. And it was also raining and had a ridiculous amount of wind. I'm like, okay, well, this is ridiculous. I'm, uh, this sucks. I'm going to, it's going to be freezing out here. So the next day was absolutely gorgeous, like absolutely gorgeous. I couldn't believe I was like, what the hell is this? Like it was shorts and t shirt weather almost, you know, had a little bit of a breeze still, but sunny nice out no rain it's a beautiful beautiful rain or beautiful weather for the match so we ended up shooting i ended up shooting on staff day because i had a mat a class in illinois that i had to get to so i I was lucky enough dan and those guys let me shoot on staff day uh so i could shoot the match and kind of 
see what it was all about. And uh, I got to say thank you to all you guys that work the match because even though I didn't accept it, you guys definitely offered me a staff reset match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was laughing because you guys all walked up and you were like, hey, they already had a meeting about you. And I was like, oh, God, they had a meeting about me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not expecting what I got out of that, that meeting. But they were like, you're, look, you're a paid shooter. You're not uh, you don't have to reset. I said, you'll you think that there's no way in hell that I'm going to sit here and watch all you guys paste while my ass sits back here on this bench. There's no way. So I ended up just pacing the whole time. I was like, but thank you. I was like, I really appreciate that, that you guys are offering me the opportunity to be a, a you know, a regular paid shooter here and, and, and have staff reset. So what did you think of staff reset? Um, oh, was that I, the first time you ever did it? Yeah. So that was the first time I've ever experienced it. Um, well, that's not true. I should say if you are a staff, every match is staff reset, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I thought the match, other than when it rained early Sunday morning, staff reset is fine with, I only had with myself, there was only four individuals on my bay. So we had a system down, but as soon as it rained and the bags were on, it slowed down a little bit. Everything. Yeah. But then after that squad, I, I told my other staff, I'm like, we had a couple ideas of how to make it better. So I was like, we're doing it because I know the next squad's not going to be as kind or courteous to us. Because <laughs> the first yeah. squad of the day, they pulled their bat, like they'd run out there and pulled the bag so we could score and pace. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then I knew the next squad was not going to be so friendly. Right. It, it, not, nothing against the squad. I knew a couple of people on this first squad, but they're a bunch of nobodies. They're like, they're just normal people. They just want to shoot. And they're like, cool, yeah. we'll pull these bags for you. But yeah. uh, the next squad was not that way. So I was right. like, we figured a way to slit the bags in the back. So you kind of like peeled it back. Right. Which Dan and Corey were smart. They used the nice, thick. Um, yes. Yeah. The bags. Four mil bags. Yeah. So, and those were a little difficult just because they're so tight on sticks. Yes. So with the slit, we flipped them around. You could pull them over, paste, and then lay them back flat. So we got yeah. back to almost our normal reset speed, but we only had two squads in the rain. So that wasn't too bad, but I knew, but I'm a young guy. I knew a lot of the older guys were like, this sucks. I'm not doing this again, but that also could have been related to, uh, putting a mix of elderly staff and young staff in the same squad and on the same bay, instead of having a bunch of old guys and then a bunch of middle-aged guys and a bunch of younger ish guys on squads. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, in that scenario, staff is very important. Uh, uh, well, let me rephrase that. It always is important, but the organization of your staff is very important. You do not want to put people on stages that hate each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do not want to put people on stages that are all alpha males to the point where they want to argue how to run the stage. Um, you have to have somebody's got to be in charge on a stage, and it needs to be just one person. You can't have you know, multiple chiefs that makes it very difficult for anything to get done. Oh, agreed. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, look, somebody has got to be in charge. This is the guy that's in charge. He's either, he's just the guy that needs more experience. We want to make him the CRO for experience. Da, da, da. So it's just like, there's a lot of things that go into uh, staff. Unfortunately, that I don't think half the shooters in this sport have a clue that goes into staff, like what it takes to get a good staff <laughs> and then get a good staff to work together, right? Cause you can have a great staff member and he can ha- work with somebody else who just ruins the whole experience for the whole squad or staff, you know, or that stage, whatever it is. 
But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I was lucky enough that I didn't see any of that. I had a amazing squad of ROs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got to shoot with you, Walt, his wife. Um, I met Jose, uh, Josh. Oh man, I that, I really like those guys. Like uh, mm -hmm. they were all from the Midwest uh, Shooting Center. Uh, they're all in that squad, uh, like in that shooting team area. And and I just I really enjoyed our squad. I had a great time. Like. You know, I didn't know anybody. I only knew you really. I knew Walt actually, I shouldn't say I knew Walt and his wife, but I didn't really know anybody else on our squad. So I got to meet everybody and kind of like, it was just a great time, man. I just, I, I told all those guys afterwards, I was like, you know, I had a lot of fun at this match. Like, even though I know it's staff and I, I, I day two was really rough for me. I just didn't feel like I shot very well. Um, but day one, I shot really well. I just, we had some issues on our first stage. <laughs> Yeah. of the match uh that kind of affected the next two but i was able to block it out uh but i honestly like i felt like the match ran very smooth we ended up shooting oh, I, what days did i shoot wednesday i came in to walk stages i shot thursday and friday yep so thursday i shot we shot at one in the afternoon i think is when we started so that was why it wasn't freezing cold by the way ladies and gentlemen because I was able to go in and we were able to allow the weather to kind of warm up a little bit. And I think that was kind of part of the plan <laughs> to kind of not have a 40 degree morning. So we started the day in the afternoon. The sun was out. It was beautiful. Everything was great. Then we came in the next day and the weather was beautiful. We didn't have any issues on Friday, even though we started a little bit earlier. I think we started at eight uh, because we finished the match at 1230. I think it was right around. Maybe it was earlier than that because I left and had to get on a plane flight at five. So I just kind of hung out for a couple hours, just watching some friends shoot. And uh, it, it was like just watching staff reset. And I was like, yeah, these guys got it figured out. They're doing pretty good. It looks like they didn't have as many staff as I normally see at a staff reset. There was some bays where there was three guys instead of four or five. Um, but that's just kind of how it works when you're, especially on your first run, a lot of guys don't, a lot of uh, ROs don't understand what staff reset is or how it works. So it just instantly seems like a lot of extra work and it is a, a lot of work, mm -hmm. but I think it's a little bit less work in some ways. It, there's some benefits and negativity to it, like negatives and positives, obviously. Oh yeah. The good thing about staff reset is you don't have a reshoot, right? If you run that stage correctly, mm -hmm. okay. And everybody makes mistakes and everybody gets tired and that's how it works. But one thing I've learned from staff reset is you want to designate one person for a section. Like, okay, you have these three targets, you have these four targets, whatever it is. Then you have another guy who kind of just goes and resets the swinger and the steel, and then you can rotate them so that the guy doesn't get burnt out on steel pickups, but you got to make sure that there's one person that's dedicated to a zone. And once you zone them out and put them in little zones, that zone is taken care of by that person and, and you don't have to worry about whether it's done or not done. And then whoever's running the timer should be the last guy off the stage. And all he does is just kind of make sure everything's pasted and let's rock and roll and go to the next guy and the next guy and the next person, the next person, the next person. And it flows really, really well. If you run it like that, it's the squads that I see that have like a lot of individual stuff. Like, all right, cool. I'm just going to walk over here this time and do this. And then next time I'll go over there. And it's like, uh, that doesn't really work out too well. <laughs> no, not for, for staff. You definitely have to be coordinated in where you're going for staff reset. And the nice thing is you can split score. Like, yes. And most of those stages were set up for split scoring, not yes. intentionally, but it's like, like we're calling the score as soon as yeah. you're unloaded. And like, we're not waiting for your ass to haul the mail back here. So you I want just, something. What stage did you score? 
or uh, work? Uh, I worked on 10. So the one with the okay. hands touching the little uh, X. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what was that uh, one touching X? Now I'm trying to think where the hell that one was, what it was. It was in the uh, the dirt berm bays. It was a 32-round field course. Uh, with the It was the two... Oh, the best part to explain it was it was the stage with the two targets that were super close together that we eventually then split before the match and put the no shoot in it. Because I remember you were walking through with Janelle and Dr. Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's a double target. (laughs) Right, right. So that's the one where they moved the X back. They moved it back and it was in the middle, which would have made it a better stage that I talked about. Mm-hmm. yes okay yeah i remember that stage yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah 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 because i was like that's going to be a scoring they're gonna they'll be replacing that target every 10 shooters because the damn thing was basically touching your barrel when you came around the corner oh no so, we did yeah. it was yeah, pretty much every, every well depending on if the open if the open guns were assholes yeah like, <laughs> they blew the perf apart i'm like nice. thanks a lot dude <laughs> yeah. yeah you just have a plethora of extra targets there yeah, which oh. the quartermaster did really well about keeping us stocked on those. Like, yeah. I had a whole pack. Of, like, every half day, I got a whole new pack, and I'm like, but I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, listen, it's better to have it than not. I mean, think about being close on pacers, and then you have a you have a holdup on your stage because of something stupid like that. You're screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, your, your time limit now is – so did they give you, like, a certain amount of time, like, say, hey, listen, this is what our – kind of what we're looking for for squads to get – we want them in and out in 20 minutes, 30 minutes. What what were you kind of set up for as your – did you guys have a time uh, matrix for them? So the the squad matrix was still a 45-minute buffer. It was okay. 45 minutes scheduled. We were turning in 20 to 25 minutes. Nice. Depending on if this, you know, depending on make readies. and Because right. we all pretty much hustled there, hustled down, hustled back. Right. But it, that, if that stage wasn't maybe 15 yards of from the beginning of the, the shooting area to the end of the shooting area either, right. though. It wasn't that far. Yeah. But, yeah, it definitely was. A, it wasn't a bad stage to work. It wasn't like a bunch of, there was no steel, so it was all paper. Mm-hmm. So that definitely saved time. Did you guys, did you find any backups on that stage at all? No, no. So, so you didn't have any squads in, in that really kind of messed you up with, with uh, like, well, that's the best part of not pasting is you don't have to worry about people not pasting. It's either you're not doing it as a staff or you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a big problem at Dragon's Cup this year. Um, it had nothing to do with this. I mean, there was some squads or um, some stage stuff that, I think that they kind of made a little bit of mistake on because they put two giant 32 round stages on top of each other. One was you ran into a bus and you know how that goes. There's no RO chasing you, right? Like you have to now walk out of the bus and then unload. So it takes a lot longer to unload show clear and all those things. And it's an uprange start. So you ran backwards the whole time. So that already means you can't score a single target until everybody's off the range. Um, And then the stage before that was an unloaded start with a visual (laughs) and all your mags came on a table and you ran 30 yards to the front of the bay. And if you ran out of bullets, you had to run all the way back to get some. And that stage was like the big, like shooting area was like a big old eight, right? Yes. Yes. That that was so huge. Yeah. It was an awesome stage, dude. It was such a great stage, but it was just like, um, Ooh, these two on top of each other, anybody who has a long make ready, And listen, I saw some D class make readies that were grandmaster, master, 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 uh, make readies. I was like, Jesus lady, like <laughs> you, there's no way you need to take this long. And then the greatest part of it all was I watched this lady load her gun, run to the corner 
and then pull a trigger on an empty gun. She never racked around. I'm like, you took all that time to get ready and you didn't even know what the hell you were doing. You know, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> like if I took that long, I'd, I would have this shit memorized for a month. Like it was crazy. It was like, oh, and these poor ROs. I mean, what do you do? You got to give them their time. You know, I mean, so it was just, it was frustrating. So, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of weird watching that. So that's why I was wondering if you guys had any backups because we had some major backups at that match. Uh, that was one of the worst for sure. When it, when it came to squads, not resetting, not doing their jobs and then add the, that, add that little area there with those two stages. Mm-hmm. So, Cause think- a lot of people said something about the weather and I was like, the weather really didn't affect, in my opinion, didn't affect the match because they stopped the match when the storm came in. Right. It wasn't like people were shooting through the storm and some people were, some people weren't. Everybody got, they told them, get out of here, like get in your cars, be safe. Don't, don't take a chance. Nobody wants to get hurt. And then once it got, went away, they, they kind of pushed through. Uh, but it was like, man, that, that was just, they, certain squads, man, they just didn't have any push in them, you know, and nobody pushed them. Right. And I, the only stage I remember having a backup, I'll call it a backup was stage 12, the, two string strong hand we can't yes. yeah stage, that was but, that was yeah <laughs> but it was only it was only taking 45 minutes when every yeah. the, the every other stage ahead of them was 20 25 like so we're just racking them in there so did they give those guys a golf cart to score those back targets by the way they did but honestly it took longer because you had to drive down with the golf cart get out of the golf cart pace yeah. the targets and then okay. drive back the fucked up part was i heard they'd score down there and then they'd forget to pace them yeah. Like why? <laughs> well, they're not used to, they're not used to pasting. That's well, why I, they're used to having somebody else pace it. They're just used to scoring it and then walking back up and then going, all right, come on. You know what I mean? Like, but that, th- again, I think that's why it's so important to understand that leadership on those stages is everything because the guy who has the timer should never be, he should be the last one off that stage. Mm-hmm. He should be walking every single target and knowing exactly that every single thing is pasted every single time. The problem is, is when you get tired, man, it's easy to forget to do that. <laughs> it yeah. is so easy to just go, yeah, they got it. You know, we've been doing this a hundred times. There's no way that somebody would mess that up. And it's, and it's easy. And in that stage, if you forgot to score, you could give somebody major penalties there. Mm-hmm. Oh, major absolutely. penalties. Oh, that one extra shot on a target would give you a negative 10 points. And he didn't even shoot the bullet. Right. Cause I mean, I don't, I, maybe the people were counting, but what if they don't one time, then all of a sudden there's six, seven hits on something when it's supposed to only be six and you're like, Oh, extra hit. Gotcha. I was <laughs> like, we well, hadn't even pulled the trigger extra. Yeah. So it's just, you never, you, you know, that could, that's where the scoring integrity kind of comes in sometimes where it gets you. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that, and, and just think about it. Everyone's going to do a four minute make ready between strings. Well, in that stage, you especially had to because you had to make sure you had your bullets in the right spot because there was a mandatory reload in there. So it was like, man, if you don't move your mags, then you're having issues. So that anytime you put two strings, it's already a long stage. But when you put two strings and it's one-handed with 25-yard Virginia count with lots of effing hardcover, yeah, you're, you're definitely going to have some long shooting there. So that was great that they were made the time, though. I, that's They obviously nailed it. You know, I mean, it, they obviously were able to hold it up. So, I, I mean, I heard a lot of great things about the match. Um, I, I had a great experience at the match. I only really have, um, I would say there was, there's really only one negative thing that happened at the match for me. And it, and it really didn't have to do with the match. It kind of had to do with how I was treated and how some other shooters were treated on a stage. So I'll kind of get into that story and then we'll move on to area five. So this stage that we shot had two very large, 
um, poppers on it. And they were 30, they were 30 yards easy. They, they were far, but they were big poppers. So it was like, all right, cool. They, they, they were pretty easy. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had a guy in our squad, um, that shot them and hit them just to the left of center. And I kind of talked about this a little bit uh, in another video that I did for Instagram live and he hit him, and he was just, I guess he was closer to the edge of them, but it was a solid hit. Like the whole bullet hit it and it did, they didn't fall over. So then he shot the stage and we got, he obviously thought he hit him because he, you could hear it. It was a solid punch. So we call range master over that the range master can stand there for 45 minutes and look at it, line the sights up and bam, dead center knocks him over. But took a good, I don't know. I would say a good three seconds for them to even budge to start to fall. I didn't even think they were going to fall over because they didn't move very fast. Yeah. So they fall over. And the first thing I did is go, man, that sucks. All right, I'm going to go down there and make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. And me and Walt, myself and Walt, go and look at these poppers, and you could breathe on them, and they would fall over if you hit them from the back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like So right away, you knew, like, okay, cool. Like, these are, you can't calibrate these anymore because as soon as you adjusted anything, it fell over. So I was like, all right, we can't touch these, Walt. These, these are what he's like, yeah, this is it. And then we kind of inspected it, and we both were like, man, these bolts on the back are stiff as could be. They will not, they're not moving at all. So it was almost like it was a welded bolt is what it felt like, right? Like, so what happens when you shoot the steel on a forward falling, it has to rock back to gain momentum to fall forward. If a popper doesn't rock back, it's not going to fall forward, right? Because it doesn't have momentum from the bullet, uh, from the from the hitting of the bullet. It doesn't have the momentum for like a rear fall, for a rear falling steel does. Mm -hmm. so he he didn't get the reshoot well the next three shooters that come up all hit the steel and it didn't fall over but they didn't leave the steel they stayed back and shot it and 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 made sure that it fell over and again same thing hit it on the left or the right of the steel but in the steel with a full bullet mm -hmm. so of course i come up and i'm thinking all right cool like i'm gonna hit this thing like there's no way it's not gonna fall over because i'm gonna hit it right so I shoot it and I hit both of them. And now I hit two inches to the left on one of them and dead center in the other one. And it fall the one falls over, but the other one doesn't, even though I hit it two inches to the left of center. So of course I had to come back because I already knew how that one was going to go. I was going to lose calibration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I'm pissed because I was crushing the beginning of that stage and I already know what's going to happen. It's not going to go down. I have to make the shot up and I've already lost two. I think I lost almost three seconds on that coming back to that steel. At least, so, yeah. Yes. So I shoot the stage and I finish it. Of course, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm mad about it. And I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm mad because the range masters were standing there watching all these shooters have problems before me. Right. So instead of fixing it or saying, Hey, listen, we've got a problem here. We've got to do something about it. They just let it keep happening. And that was kind of shitty like in my opinion you not only was it shitty to do to a shooter but you're also doing it to your staff right like you're you're allowing that to happen to staff as a range master and you see this you you should do something whatever it is i don't know i'm just saying you should be definitely like hey listen listen wait, wait, wait. we got to look at this this has now happened to three people let's figure this out so i said to them afterwards i was calm i wasn't that upset with anybody i just said listen just so you know if this happens at the match you might as well just park your car here or cart because this is going to be a calibration for every single shooter, for every single person in this match, because 
if you don't hit it dead center, it's not falling over. And they're like, yeah, we'll fix it after you guys are done. And I was like, you know, that's kind of shitty. Like right there, that attitude in itself is what kind of made me bring up the, the, the live video is that the competitive equity is shit, right? Like if that's the mindset of the person, people that are in charge, <laughs> mm -hmm. there's no competitive equity at this point in our sport, if that's the way it's going to be. So luckily, um, we had a conversation about two stages after, cause I, I wanted to calm down and kind of not focus on it. And I said, look, you know, do you think it's fair that this stage is, you know, that this, that you can stand there for all this time and shoot this thing and knock it over. And that, you know, when we're shooting it, we're all in a rush. So we're not guaranteed a perfect dead center hit, but I hit it in the scoring zone. So what do you think should be done? I'm not going to really give the response because it's probably not something that I'll be nice about, but it was a really shitty response. It was a very negative go, you know, basically I should have shot a, a different division with a hotter ammo is what my answer was. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm not going to quote exactly how it goes. Um, and I, I was not happy about that answer. I thought that was a really shitty answer. Um, so, and I just, I, it wasn't just the answer. It was the nonchalant, like, Oh, F and well, it didn't happen to me. It happened to you, you know, kind of thing. So push comes to shove, uh, the day after the next day, I was going to kind of talk to, to the range master and kind of like, Hey, or the match directors would kind of be like, Hey man, listen, just kind of want to let you know, this is, this is kind of shitty to do to your competitor or to your staff. Not me. Cause at that point I was like, whatever, <laughs> but just to your staff, like I'm thinking about everybody else, not my score. And it worked out to where they went and changed the steel and flipped it to where now it was rear falling. And originally they weren't going to give us a reshoot, even though they flipped it around. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, it's a completely different scenario if you shoot it and it's going backwards. Cause if I know it's a troublesome swinger or popper, I could just drive it down with two bullets and guarantee it's going to fall. So luckily, you know, everybody came to their senses and we got a reshoot as a stage, as a squad. And I went from 20 seconds to 16 seconds. And uh, I was like, Hmm. 15 seconds, oh, 15. sir. 15. Oh, okay. So I would say that was quite a difference. I actually shot that stage really well, even though I was done. Like I was exhausted by that point. Um, I didn't sleep well the night before because I found out at dinner the night before that they changed the poppers and didn't give us a reshoot. So my brain was just like, all right, how am I going to politely bring this up and not get kicked out of this <laughs> match for not for for being you know just ridiculous i was so upset that they weren't gonna that they changed the stage and they were just gonna be like oh whatever you know and it was only our squad that was gonna have it not not everybody but our squad was the ones that was going to be affected i'm like that's really shitty to do to your staff you know like i'm not even thinking about myself at this point you know because at this point i'm thinking well that that probably cost me the match if, if that stands, if that stage stands, it's going to cost me the match. Right. Cause I mean, I'm shooting against Vlager, Jay, uh, what the hell's Jay's last name? Um, if he, yes. So I'm, I'm getting ready to shoot against two of the best shooters, guys that are on super squad. And I'm like, Oh, awesome. Like, uh, yeah, no problem. Let me just take that one. Up, you know? Um, but it got worked out. I ended up reshooting it and it working out really good. And I won that match. So it was, um, it was a really, really good match. I enjoyed that match. I like the I like the style of the stages that they came up with. Um, I could do without that Virginia count one handed bullshit though. Like uh, it's it's old. Like um like we got more of it at nationals coming up. So mm -hmm. I, I don't. That's a really big thing up there in Michigan and Ohio area for sure. Well, and, and like we talked at the match, one stage would have been fine. 
If you just did one stage, it right. it, it would have been okay. But, right. And and I would have loved. I even told. I think I told Dan and Corey this is. But the visual start should have been on like on a field course. Right. Make, make it a little bit more interesting than yeah. the I'm going to run to a box and then I'm going to run to this other box. Right. Listen, I, I, again, and, I, and a lot of people will hear this. I don't want to say a lot because there's only a few haters out there uh, that I deal with. But um, th this is never complaints. Like, I want people to understand, like, I've really enjoyed the match. I enjoy the challenge of everything. <laughs> Speaking of the visual start. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know what the hell was going on. I, I just, I think it was just because I was thinking about everything else before I started the day, like just thinking about that reshoot, you know, all this stuff, dude, the guy, we had a conversation about visual start, visual start, visual start. So I walk up, the, I've walked the stage, I don't know, a hundred times. And I know, look at the, the visual start, but the last three walkthroughs, I never looked at the visual start. I just had my hands down at my sides and I looked where I was running and then I was like, all right, cool. I'm ready. So then it's my turn. <laughs> and the guy goes, are you ready? Stand by. And I'm just standing there and standing there and standing there because I'm not looking at the light. And then I go, Oh, I guess he hit it. <laughs> and I, ran. And I'm, I mean, I think, I think I said it out loud. Like, Oh, I guess he hit it. And I ran and I shot the stage. And afterwards, I wish you wouldn't have said this to me. Cause I was like, dude, just let me like, just suck. You know, it's on me. It's not his fault. And he goes, I almost stopped you. I was like, dude, don't say that. Like I wish you would have just not said that, but I lost two seconds on that stage on that start. And I, I walk away from that stage and I go, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, where's my brain today? Uh, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting, <laughs> that was an interesting. And I ended up having a mic on that stage because I pulled it. Uh, but I called it like, that's one of the things that I really bothers me about Virginia count is that a skill set that you create or get as a grandmaster or as a better shooter is shot calling, right? You become really good at shot calling. So now you've taken one of my skills away from me mm -hmm. because of a Virginia count stage. Does that make sense? Yep. Like, what is the skill of counting? <laughs> like the, I mean, I can count eight rounds and just, I have to accept whatever those hits are because I'm supposed to do my job anyway. But one of my skills as a grandmaster or at somebody at my level is that I can call my shots when they're good or bad. So it sucks when someone tells you, Oh, well, we just took that skill away from you. Now you have the same skill as someone lesser than you that just shoots to shoot. Right. And they're just shooting the same eight rounds that you're shooting. So that's probably, that's probably what, why I just, I have a negative uh, taste in my mouth about Virginia count. Cause I'm like, dude, I work really hard on learning how to shot call. And then you take that away from me and don't let me make up shots. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you allow me to make up shots. It's just going to cost me tremendously to do that. Yeah. But I mean, it's just one of those things. So, but yeah, I mean, other than that, man, I just, I thought that match was really good. And even the, even the one handed stages, even though I was frustrated with some of the stuff that that Virginia count just gets under my skin a little bit. Um, I like them. You know, I just shoot what I, what they give me and it, it's definitely a challenge. You know, it's just part of the game. And then I actually, it's funny because all the guys at my level, John and Jay, they were all like, yeah, these Virginia count stages are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was laughing because I'm like, I'm not the only one who hates them. <laughs> yeah. I think they're just, uh, they're just ways to rack up penalties at, at some point. You know what I mean? It's just, you're kind of giving the shooters a, 
Uh, you're guaranteeing mics for shooters, right? Even the best ones. I mean, look, look at Max Michelle last year at, at Area Five. He fucking zeroed the stage. How many yeah. times you ever seen Max Michelle zero stage? Happens in what every nationals too, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I don't know. Like that's what I mean. I don't. I don't see that guy zero in stages. So it's just one of those things where it's like goodness. But yeah. I don't know. It is what it is with those. But yeah, man, it was a good time. Uh, and then I left there and I went to. I ended up leaving that match, and then uh, you guys got to stay and work. So it worked out pretty good, obviously. Well, yeah, you got to go hang out with the gunslingers, the Chicago gunslingers, Ooh. like Uncle Joe Sanchez, uh, yeah. what George DeSico. Yeah, um, I only saw George. I only saw George. I only saw the um, Joe for like I don't know. I think we went out to eat. That was it. He was uh, he was busy with work, or I think he went to like some local matches or running. I think he had his local match that he runs. Um, so I didn't get to see him very much, but he came by on day one and, uh, <laughs> George had his son's graduation mm -hmm. and he rolls in on Saturday night, uh, literally Saturday night. I think it was like seven o'clock at night. And he's like, you guys are still here, but we were still training. <laughs> and I started, I started at eight and I'm like, yep, still here. Got, we had to get some stuff finished. So, I mean, listen, I tell all my students, I don't quit. So if you run the class, my students run my class. And what I mean by that is when they come to a class, if they want to work on drills a little bit more, as long as it doesn't keep me from getting to another drill, I let them rock and roll. You know, if somebody drops off, somebody else get back in here, right? Somebody has to go get ammo, whatever, come back in. You know, that's kind of just how I do, do my class. I, I don't, I'm a big proponent of if you're coming to a class where you're supposed to be shooting, you should be shooting, right? I mean, I could talk all day long. But it's just better if when we're on the range, I've got you pulling the trigger, right? There's plenty of time that I talk, right, when we're shooting or not shooting. But I want you to be able to shoot rounds so that I can fix you when you're in the class. It's very difficult to fix things when I'm not in front of you if you don't know what you're you know, messing up. So I make that a big part of my class. It's very important to me to, to give them the opportunity to kind of, like I tell them, if you want to take a break? Go sit down. Uh, I'm not offended. You need to make a phone call. I'm not offended. It's, you know, it's, it's your class, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I've had, I've had lots of students have to take phone calls for work and that's how they were able to come to the class. Cause they were still at work technically, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, they're like, I gotta take this call. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I, I can't imagine having that phone call. if all the pew pews going on behind them, but they, they seem to manage it. So obviously they have pretty, some freedom in their work, but. Uh, yeah, so I went to his class and then, uh, or went did that class and then from there, area six, and then uh, came from area six to area five. So that's uh, let's get into area five a little bit. Mm -hmm. So a lot easier this year, but not easy. Yeah, it was deceptively easier, but not. Yeah, it's still let you let you hang yourself out to dry. I feel. I agree. Last year, you walked up and you just said, "Oh shit, this is going to be hard." This year, you were like, yeah, this is way easier. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you could really get screwed up in this match. Well, first of all, let's talk a little bit about Brooklyn. So that gun club in itself does not own a big popper. So if you think you are going to actually, I did see one big popper, by the way. Yep. Well, so, yeah, this is it's I think we own I, I want to say on the whole property, there's four, <laughs> but they're heavy SOBs. They're like. Yeah. So yeah, can like, we talk about that one big popper? I had a makeup shot on that big ass popper. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Me too. <laughs> I was like, so he finally, you know what it was? I treated it like it was a big popper. I was like, oh, cool, big. And I just <laughs> slung around at it. I didn't slow the gun down. I didn't aim at it. Actually, 
hold on. I got it. I'll tell you this story about that stage real quick. Cause I didn't know if I was ever going to talk about it. Cause I don't, I just don't like saying some of this stuff. Cause people always think everything you say, it, there's just a lot of dicks in this sport that think if you say something, it's an excuse. So right. I'm running down that stage and this stage had kind of a long hallway. And as you ran down, you had to get to the right as you got to the end to shoot an activator, a small mini popper, a small mini popper. And then it activated a drop turn, a drop, um, not a drop turner, but a, a, a max trap and then a big popper and some paper to the left. So I come running in and as I get ready to shoot the bit, the small mini popper, the second one, mm -hmm. I freaking hit the wall with my holster and it grabs my holster like grabs me like and stops me my whole left leg lifted in the air is how fast it grabbed stopped me and braked me so as i shoot the big popper that's when i got hooked <laughs> and i went wham and i just the gun went way left and i was like oh shit that's a miss so i made it up and i stood there with the gun holster in the wall <laughs> for like the most of the back of that stage and i'm trying to transition and i can't turn my hip so I'm getting on the paper and I'm shooting Char Alpha Charlies or two like almost Deltas. And then I get to the last two pieces of steel to the left and I just yank my hip out of the wall so I could shoot the last piece of steel because I couldn't see it. It was behind the wall still. I was stuck. Mm -hmm. And so for whatever reason, that wall, out of all the walls that I shot this entire match, had like a big bubble in it, a buckle. Like it was loose. So I think someone else ran into it before <laughs> me and ripped it loose. And I went up to the to the range master afterwards and I was like, look, I don't want to reshoot. I just have a really serious question here. What is the rule for that? Like, I'm really interested. Is that a, uh, would that be a range malfunction? Uh, is it just like, you know, what is that rule? So I'm really interested if somebody, when they hear this, if they can, you know, cause I'm not a rule guy when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I'm really interested to see if that would have been a range malfunction. I, I didn't even want to reshoot. I, I shot the stage pretty well, um, even with that, but I was just like, Holy shit, man. Like, I don't think I've ever had something grab me like that while I'm trying to shoot the stage, but I couldn't get my hip out of it. And um, so all that, I think that miss ended up, I'll just blame it on the wall. I won't blame it on myself at all. So there's, there's my excuse. So if you guys want to start hating on me for being an excuse maker, you got, you got your opportunity. <laughs> yeah. It's a pride on that stage. I, I cleared the back portion. I left, I took all five minis from the start. Did you? Okay. And then I took, I was paper, paper, big popper, miss. Uh, didn't activate the clamshell yet. And then I just finished with the, then I activated it on the last shot. Right. I wasn't afraid of that. No shoot. No, I, I took it when it was still closed, even though I shot the activator. So mm -hmm. I shot the activator steel and I, and I shot it before it even opened. So I, I just, I transitioned through that stuff really. I actually had a really good time on that, but John beat me because of that, that little mistake. He crushed that stage. I think he shot it just under 12. Mm -hmm. I was just over 12. So I need, I really wanted that stage win too. Cause I had, I shot pretty well there on that on that section of the stage of the match. I finally woke up and kind of started shooting well. Um, and at that point, Nils took his foot off the gas, so it made me feel like I was shooting better than I probably was. <laughs> oh wait, so he he let up off your necks? Oh, dude, he he was winning by a hundred. Dude, he still won by a hundred points in the. Uh, he walked off that specific stage and turned around and looked at me because he didn't shoot it. Like he missed a lot of steel. He just was going for it, right? He was just gonna go rip it. Mm -hmm. and he turns around and looks at me and he goes trash tom and i go dude don't be talking like me <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i walked off a stage that at that match and i go trash like i am trash like that that's terrible i walked off one stage and i go i suck like i'm i'm sucking right now and he just started laughing because i'm not a negative person but like 
I just say stuff, right? Like so many people, like I posted a video the other day, I've like kind of dumped out my, like my feelings about the match. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate everyone that has sent me a, uh, a self-help book or a uh, mental management book or a, um, you know, a, 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 anything that they've sent me to make me better or make me feel better about my suckiness. But I'm not upset with myself about it like that. I don't, I don't look at it as in like, oh man, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible shooter. I'm the worst shooter ever. That's not how I think. I never will because that's probably why I would never get where I'm at if I thought like that. But I do appreciate all of you. But I, the reason I post some of the things I post is because I didn't have the self-help guy. I didn't have a Tom Castro that, and I still don't see guys coming out about how they feel after matches, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like that's kind of one of the things that I always missed was like, how am I supposed to feel after this? Cause I feel pretty shitty. Like, I feel like I don't want to go shoot again. I feel like I put all this time and effort into these two, like area six and area five. And I blow, I blew both of them. Right. I mean, area five, I started off losing the match on the first stage. So, and I just kind of carried that throughout the first day. So it's like, I want people to understand like what I'm going through as in how I feel. It's not so much that I need like a pep talk or, I mean, it's awesome. I appreciate you guys, but it's not, it's not one of those things where I'm like, oh man, I'm quitting. Fuck this sport. You know, it's not how I feel. It's I, I, it's just actually, I went out today and practice and I felt so good that I went out and practice because I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's get back to work. I don't look at it as a negative. I'm like, all right, I get to learn something new. And I spent the entire day the entire time I was on the, on the, on the range today, working on vision. That's all I worked on was vision, speed, steel, speed, steel, uh, tuxedos, slashers, you name it. I worked on vision, just making sure that I'm getting back to seeing the target before I pull the trigger. And it really worked well. I just need to hold on to it at the match. <laughs> you know, it's like, I got, I got to be there for that. You know what I mean? Oh, that's, that's been the hardest part. So, I mean, I'm having great practices, I don't feel like my shooting's the issue. I feel like my, well, I mean, I guess it is my issue because the vision is part of shooting, right? It's, it's that it, I don't even want to say vision is mental because it's really not. It's just understanding the timing of your eyes versus the gun. And it's very, it's a fine line. It's a super fine line when you're going at super fast speed. It's very, very easy to go. Ah, I, it's fine. Just, just sling the gun over there. What, but if your eyes aren't there, you're, you're, it's the consistency. That's the problem with not Mm -hmm. shooting with your vision. So have you had issues? uh, You do a lot of dry fire. How much do you work on visual? I want to say about 75% is usually visual. You know, sometimes it's just about raw speed, but it's really, you know, wanting to see it's rule one and rule two. Honestly, it's like without rule one, uh, it's going to be a bad day no matter what you're doing. Right. I agree. Uh, yeah. So I, I will tell you something that it's, I've been suffering at a little bit. And I think, I think the problem is that I am not, I, I'm going back and forth with rule one and two. I, I'm, I am, I really am. I'm, I'm, I'll have my sights, but then I'm not aggressive on the trigger. And then I get no sights and I'm just, I can't stop pulling the trigger. <laughs> it's like, one, it's just kind of been one of those really weird, like, I know I'm on the line of where I need to be. It's just trying to keep that from falling off of, you know, just happening at a match. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not having this shit happen at practice. I'm having it happening at the major matches. And that's the frustrating thing. I'm like, why aren't I having mess ups at practice? Like, I'm leaving practice a national champ every practice. I'm like, oh man, this feels great. I'm right where I need to be. I'm shooting 99% alphas 
at speed. And then I go to a match and I can't hold the damn gun on the target. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's, it's been kind of, it's been very frustrating in so many ways. Cause I'm like, I'm practicing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I, I think I need to go back and start adding some dry fire to my practice more like not practice, but I need to start getting the gun in my hand every day and start just locking that back in. Cause I I've been so busy. I haven't been doing it mm-hmm. and I'm not dry firing until the match. And I can't, it's just taking too much time for I'm, I'm, I'm having the gun out of my hands too long. Right. I need to keep the gun in my hand more often. Right. So, and I don't think I lose my skill set. Obviously. I mean, I don't because I still can shoot. It's just that I feel like those little, if I just make it more consistent, I think it'll be more consistent i'll be able to just pick the gun up every time and be like all right cool this feels just like yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before i'll have less bad days maybe right so um i don't know but anyway so with area five the uh so while my, how involved were you were you with area five um well so we got done with the uh, we'll, we'll jump back we, we did the michigan section we tore that down and then we had a little bit of time between these matches, you know, so, but I didn't really get involved too much other than, you know, looking at some stages um, until like Memorial Day weekend where we had to go finish, you know, finish like the little nitpicky shit that has to get done on the range. Um, the match director, Ken, and his dad put a lot of hours in between like even after Buckeye, between Buckeye and Area 5, so many hours. But I was involved with, you know, some of the logistical stuff, making sure things were okay, but. Um, other than, you know, the stats and stuff, I uh, really didn't, I wasn't super involved, but you know, it's my home club. So I still part. You're always involved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I told Ken, I was like, I feel bad, dude. It's like, I live an hour, pretty much an hour away from the club. And it's hard for me to go on a weekday to go over there right. and go help out. Or he's like, well, I'm taking a half day. I don't have enough half days, bro. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, and I wasn't like, and then I got there Thursday at 7 a.m., to finish the lat, like, so we could hang targets. And then we do the RM walkthrough at lunchtime. So that was pretty good, but. Yeah. So I'm really interested in, we had a conversation mm-hmm. um, about how I shoot staff day. And, mm-hmm. and you asked me like, look, man, I, I'm, I'm shooting some staff days. I, I just kind of want to have an idea of like, what do you go through mentally? And I made a video about it. So mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I love about, this sport is there's always something to talk about. So I made a video a little bit about um, like how I focus on shooting staff day. And it's, it's kind of how I focus on shooting a regular match. The only difference is, is you're shooting with staff, right? You're, you're probably going to have some problems with, with uh, not staff, but you're going to have some definitely going to have some problems with stages. You're going to have poppers that might not be calibrated. Perfect. Um, Targets might have to be moved before you shoot the stage. Hell, sometimes you have to reshoot a stage <laughs> because things aren't working properly uh, or there's going to be a major issue in the match overall, such as proper calibration like we talked about, where you know it's not going to work, so you might as well just fix it now before it happens and just have everybody reshoot or whatever you have to do for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are huge distractions, like giant, 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 giant distractions for you as a shooter when you're shooting staff. Um, my, the easy answer, all right, the easy answer, and this is actually very easy to do, but you have to be very selfish. At some point, it's your turn. So that means if you have, let's just say you have eight people and you're the guy with the timer, you cannot be the only one running the timer for everybody. You eventually have to give that timer up 
and hand it off to somebody if you're staff and you need to walk away three shooters before it's your turn. And there has to be zero excuse for you as a, as a staff member that you do not do that. You cannot allow like, Oh, we don't have anybody else to run the timer. Well, then we need to fix something else. We need to figure out something about our squad. Somebody needs to learn how to run the timer. Somebody needs to learn how to run the score, whatever it is, <laughs> because that's not fair to you as a staff member. Uh, Cause you're a competitor at the end of the day. So you have to get the same opportunity that the, the non-staff members get, or it's an illegitimate match in my opinion, right? right. It's illegitimate you're, and, or illegitimate scores. How about that? Cause now you're not getting the same opportunity. And, and, and let's be honest, you really don't get the same opportunity uh, when it comes to distractions versus the staff versus the, the regular paid shooter, but it can be, it can be better. It can be better. And, and, and I'll tell you, it's really easy to make it better. All you have to do as a match director is make sure that your staff, or let me rephrase that you as a shooter have to take care of that. And that, like I said, you give that timer up. You do not run the pad three shooters before it's your turn. You should not be out there pacing three shooters before your turn. And if you have to, you've got to break away at least one or two shooters. If you can't get to that third shooter, cause you don't have enough staff, you gotta be, it's got to be one shooter at least. You cannot go paste and then be the guy that's on the line. It's impossible because now you're not focused on what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So the easiest thing to do is just walk away from everybody. And you got to rewalk that stage a million times in your brain, like how you're going to shoot it, what you're going to do, every little detail over and over and over again. And if you don't have it before you walk up to that line, you didn't walk away early enough. You didn't focus enough when you're as a staff member, right? It, you have to treat it like you're like you're going for a national championship, even though you're staff. Mm -hmm. But the hard part is, again, if you have a lot of issues, because I'll tell you, I, I was unfortunately ran in South Carolina. I ran the pre-match staff match mm -hmm. <laughs> staff day, and that was a friggin' nightmare. Like every single thing that could go wrong went wrong. Like poppers were behind barrels, people shooting through barrels, having shoot throughs and all this stuff where it was like, we, I mean, we had a project on almost every stage. Now we had a great staff. We had a great uh, range master. So it worked out really nice for the regular staff. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, I paid the price in my shooting because of it. And again, I did it on purpose because I was there to work. I didn't care so much that I did well, I always want to do well at the match, but I didn't care, right? I was there for what, for something completely different. I was there for the vendor area to do my thing and, and kind of make that better. But again, it's like, as a staff member, you have to walk away and not be staff while you're there. It's, it's very difficult, but it, it can be easy if you as a shooter can break away mentally. So you, it looks like in the last two matches, you've done that. Buckeye Blast, you podiumed and area five, you podiumed. I, yeah, I did. I uh, and I was able to podium one higher. I still lost my B class title by one less than one percent, and I was like, "But it was to my buddy, so I told him he had to bring it." So because I shot a really good lights out match for me uh, at Area Five. So, so um, how many I, points was there? Was the one percent? How, how many points? Let's see, um, sixteen less than yeah, fifteen point nine points. Okay, so where where did you lose the match? It's never one thing, but I'm interested if there was one one thing specific that kind of cost you in the match. Do you think of anything? It probably was stage 12 
um, on the four poppers clamshell on the four popper max traps. Um, I had trigger freeze on the first max. I tried to go not necessarily hero zero. I tried to go activator popper popper and then go for the, the rightmost clamshell. But I had trigger freeze, so then I was shooting uh, the head of it, and I I mic'd it. I was like, I mic'd it. And so, you know, of course, it was like, son of a bitch. And I'm like, God damn it. And then I shot the other popper. and the So I went for the riskier plan. Right. And the risk wasn't worth the squeeze on this one. So let me ask you a question. Why did you think that shooting the three poppers was going to be better than just shooting one, the activator, non-activator, then the the max trap activator non-activator max trap because what did you get out of that third steel no matter what you're still waiting for the drop turn the the fall the forward falling steel to activate that max trap Mm -hmm. i just i guess my thought was that it would eliminate you know some time there so that you know i was already doing something else i was able to take care of something else in the meantime of these all these poppers are falling down because i had decent track record with shooting i very for the most part, shooting very good close track records on mini poppers at relatively not so far distances. Right. That's all we shoot at our club is mini yeah, poppers. Yeah, right? yeah. So <laughs> I have cheated. a like so <laughs> mini poppers don't scare me when everyone's right. like, Oh, that thing's scary. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's that's gotta be maybe like I'm like, that's fifteen yards, right? They're like, No, it's twenty five. I'm like, Oh, I don't give a shit, then I guess I'm gonna <laughs> still shoot it. So my confidence on on steel and be able to for those at least those close steel shots is I was fairly confident with. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'll shoot it. And then it, it definitely was the riskier plan. I was really at my initial plan was to go for it all four because the left max trap is so much slower than the right. Yeah, right. So I was like, oh, this is doable. But uh, I just, it, it didn't work out for me. I mean, there was, I, I think I ended up, I had no, no shoots, no other procedurals, but just six mics for the whole, st- for the whole match. Yeah. Which I went back to last year's match when I shot carry optics. I had, no it can't be 20 mics but it was at least 13 mics so i'm I'm not gonna lie dude i think open is definitely your game right now oh absolutely i'm watching you shoot and i'm like oh he's shooting very good like i'm watching the gun on a couple of your videos i'm like yeah he's he's really locking into that gun pretty well yeah, the gun and I definitely communicate very well. We have a great relationship. <laughs> well, I mean, when it people, just you know, takes your money, bro. Let's be honest. It's just you keep feeding it money, and it just keeps working. That's all that matters. <laughs> but at least, at least my gun runs. That's right. That's very. That's a very big point into open. That's definitely going to help you win some matches, right? Right, that's and sure. uh, you know, I had you know, I'm still getting used to the 2011 trigger, so I do have a couple trigger freezes. Um, yeah. I'm going to tell you where trigger freeze comes from. And and I know some people disagree, but in my opinion, where I, whenever you have trigger freeze, it, it doesn't, it's because you're trying to do something faster than your brain will allow your finger to do it. In other words, like a good example is you're trying to shoot three pieces of steel and get to the max trap. You had the trigger freeze because you tried to move the gun. You're thinking move gun instead of pull trigger first and then move. That makes sense. Like, so what, what most people don't realize is, well, I, I guess if just thinking this out loud, this is the brain. It has to go all the way down your neck, all the way down your shoulder, all the way down your arm, and then get to that little fingertip at the end on pull, 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 right? So right. when you try to move the gun, guess what it takes? Guess where your all your process goes to is the big movement. It never goes to the small micro movements. How many times have you ever had an issue reloading? 
pushing the button to get the gun out, but you got no problem grabbing the big mag in your pocket. It's easy, right? Mm -hmm. Because that little button is a very fine movement, but you've already started moving your body or moving your gun. And, and that's very hard to do the little fine movements fast and consistent, unless you think about those a little bit. Right. So like, same thing you went one, two, ah, shit, because you were already thinking one, two, go to the back strap. (laughs) And you kind of put that third steel in, in, uh, in the back of your mind instead of at the forefront. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I will tell you that if I had a chance to do that again, especially in the place that I was at in this match, because of where I was placing, I probably would have went for all four and, and I should have went for it, but mm-hmm. I shot it because I was like, all right, I just want to shoot this well. And I shot that stage very well. I think I had one Charlie. I shot all the stuff in the front reloaded, going to the front, came around the right. I went steel. Activator, non-activator, max trap, and then for some reason, I decided to shoot the non-activating steel, then the activator. (laughs) And then when I realized what I did, I shot the activating steel two more times. (laughs) And I drove it down, but I drove it forward, whatever you want to call it, because it was forward falling. But I'm like, you dumbass. But I stood there forever on the max trap like forever and it really cost me i should have went all the way i I almost did i really thought about it but then i was like you know what i just i've been shooting pretty well that day um and i shot really bad in the morning so the afternoon i was like i just want to shoot well i'm I'm pissed off already about the way i shot this whole match so i I just want to i just want to shoot a good stage Mm -hmm. Uh, which was good because then it took me into the one-handed shooting and I ended up winning that stage. So I was like, all right, good. I'm glad I tried to shoot at least somewhat. Like I felt good. Like I felt when I got to stage 11 all the way till the end, I felt like myself. Um, I don't know where the hell I was for the rest of the match, but I, uh, I at least showed up for a little while mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and didn't look like a complete jackass on the, against those guys. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, man, it was a really good match, dude. I, uh, you guys did a good job. I, um, I'm always excited to uh, come up there. I, I just, I like that. You guys have a good flavor of of difficulty, and, and I just feel like we need more of that. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of I'm tired of hearing all the people complain about how hard it is, and I'm like, what do you do this sport for? Like, if you do this sport because you want it to be fast and easy and up close, this is a wrong sport. Just go back to the public line, right? I mean, right. that's you're you're in the wrong game. This sport's not supposed to be easier. Like, and I do I can tell a difference in in the design of stages. It feels like we're kind of getting back to shooting again. Mm-hmm. Like we're starting to get into the shooting challenges again, where like, oh man, you might actually have to hit a target at 25 yards. You might have to shoot a no shoot at 20 yards, 25 yards. Um, and, and you guys had a very good blend of stages. Like there was never, there was a couple stages that you had some kind of close up stuff, but you always mixed in like that, the little bit farther stuff, some tuxedos here and there. It didn't feel like you were just putting shit up to be a dick like a lot of people right. do. Yeah, I agree with that. And Ken really tweaked himself. He, he him and Hod over these stages all all winter, it seemed like, because he had them ready by January. And he was like, he was looking at them. He changed some. He'd fix them. So he really put everyone's feedback into last year, but still making it a shooting match. I mean, we don't we don't really know what a hoser is. I think, honestly, the only hoser st- mat stage was 11. I'd, I'd call that a hoser. Yeah, I guess so, because everything was close, but everything had a freaking no-shoot or a, a hard cover on it. There were no damn hose in those things. Yeah. <laughs> you had to aim for all of that stuff, or you could have gotten screwed. 
So yeah. 12 was the same way. Cause you like all those, all those targets that they put up there, you had lots of penalty opportunities. Like you had to, and if you're trying to shoot alphas, you really had to aim. Like, I mean, you could shoot it fast if you were good and you were willing to take a chance, but I noticed a lot of guys, there was a lot of Charlie, Charlie neck hits on a lot of targets on that mm -hmm. stage. Like people were staying away from those A's, uh, the no shoots a mile away. Yeah. Those don't scare me. Those white targets. They don't scare me. I agree, man. I'm, I'm the same way, man. I shot, I shot everything really aggressive. Um, and I, I, I dude, I had one penalty and I had one mic on the whole match. The mic was a tuxedo that I knew I pulled it too. I would, but I was on my way out the door. Like I shot, um, what was it? Seven. It was six, seven. I think it was stage seven. The one with the stomp pad mm -hmm. where you, you uh, start, you could start and step in run to the right or just step in, shoot and then run to the right. And then you stomp on the stomp pad. And I shot the entire left side of that stage with the max trap stomp pad or, um, excuse me, the, the max trap, the open target tuxedo. And then that's the one where you had to go to the front, right. And like kneel down and shoot underneath. Bro, I shot that thing on the move the whole way. I never stopped shooting the whole way. And as I exited the tuxedo, I saw it just, just to the left of, of the line. And I was like, oh, I hit the damn, I, I definitely mic that. And I got up off the ground and I looked at Kobe and he go, and I go, yeah. And he goes, yeah. I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> like it's son of a bitch, but I ran it in 14 seconds. So I think everybody else, I think the only other one shot it as fast as I did was Hetherington. Um, but all the other guys shot it in like 16. I mean, dude, listen, I, I was like, look, I'm, I'm shooting like shit. Let's get it. Like, I gotta go get this now. You know, I had no choice. It was our last stage of the day. I ended up second overall on that stage with a mic. So like, I, I try to tell people, man, listen, at my level, you can never shoot a penalty, right? You should never, ever, ever just be happy with a penalty. You never want a penalty, but if you don't go get it against these guys, you're never going to get it right. Like I'm, I'm watching Nils and John shoot. Jacob, these guys are going to get it no matter what, right? They're, they're not taking risks, like ridiculous risks, but they're going to get it. Like if you slow down at all, at all, they're going to beat your ass. <laughs> like that's just all there is to it. I slowed down on my second stage to kind of clean up some of my grip and that I was not doing well on my first stage and they beat me by two seconds. And I was like, what? I shot really good points. It didn't matter. They beat my ass by time, by two seconds. Like, I'm not two seconds faster or slower than them, mm -hmm. right? So what did, what did I shoot like? Not myself, obviously. So, I mean, it's like when I walked away from this match, I think I was six seconds slower. That's unacceptable to me, mm -hmm. right? So, like, if I go, yeah, I'm looking. So, yeah, no, just kidding. Eight seconds slower. That's ridiculous. I had one stage where I kind of had a standing reload that was, it was on me. I pushed the button but a half-ass push the button and then I turned the gun and it, it got me. Like I just, then I stood there with the magazine, the new magazine in the gun and I just looked at it, never pushed it, just staring at it. I go, huh, I might want to push that in there and then get to shooting. <laughs> I was like, where? I walked up that stage. I looked at Nils and John, I go, I'm not quite sure where I'm at, but I'm not here right now, I guess, because I'm not paying attention. Like I was just like, and they're just like, oh, John walks over and he's like, Sorry, bro. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I suck, <laughs> but it, you know, it's how it works, man. You, you got to learn from those mistakes and you just, you just go get it, you know? Oh, absolutely. But, uh, so what's your next plan, man? Where are you going next? What do you got going on? I've got Kentucky 
So by the time this airs, this will probably air, or at least depending on what part this is. I don't know how long we've gone, but um, <laughs> I'll be at Kentucky next. So uh, okay, cool. I'm I'm going to take a uh, B class open uh, title there. Uh, nice, let's go. go yeah, dude, I'm I'm really happy with your progress right now. So like super happy with your progress. Like I, I'm watching you grow every time I watch you shoot. I'm like, all right, he's been paying attention to the videos. Mm-hmm. He's been watching the videos. So dude, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the mindset Mondays? Do you like those? Have they helped? I like, yeah, I, I like to let people, I like to hear people talk out loud and think yeah. it's, and usually that's what it is. Like, like, and I'll do that to myself or I'll explain to somebody, like, I've got a friend who's like, I'm just ready to quit shooting because I'm not having fun and I'm getting my ass kicked. Right. It's a little, for him, it's a little bit of more of the, I'm the local hot dog out of a, a random bunch of D-class shooters. Right. And it's like, I should be doing better this Mike. But you need to compare yourself to a national contender. Right. And then get your, then figure out your shit. If you're right. not supposed, if you're not really where you're there. So I'll talk out loud to him and make him not, I don't beat him up, but I'll, I'll talk it yeah. out loud to him and he knows who he is, but yeah, uh, I like the mindset Mondays. I like the breakdown Fridays. So I think all the content's good even though I give you 20 bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a, um, I had a, uh, a question about like, just that, like I did a video just recently that I posted publicly about my area five and six. I talked a little bit about earlier in the thing, but mm-hmm. it's just, those are not easy, right? Like I'm dumping my soul out on a video. Um, and I kind of open myself up to, uh, the haters a little bit, <laughs> you know, cause like, you can pick out anything you want out of a sentence and and say that I'm being negative or that I'm I'm complaining. Like, you know, the other day, my buddy, uh, Brendan Conway posted mm-hmm. a, a video of a stage in area six that I talked about how, when I hit the steel, it didn't fall over. And uh, he goes, Oh, it fell over just fine for me. Like I'm friends with that guy. So I was like, I just suck. You know, like right. there's no argument. I wasn't, uh, you know, my whole comment about the steel was never a bitch and complaint. Anyway, it was just a, if you hit it in the scoring zone, it should be scored, right? Period. It's it need if it's in the scoring zone and it doesn't fall over, that. But it, I don't know. I just that that kind of sucks about steel. And, and anybody who doesn't think that a national champion or a national shooter hasn't had that happen to uh, JJ at production nationals dead center punches a steel a big giant popper and doesn't fall over and actually costs him a national championship or you know, possibly could have cost him a national championship, which he did take second that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- dude, you're crazy. Like it, it, there is an issue with that sometimes. So to say that we should just not fix anything because it worked for five out of the six guys. What about number six? <laughs> you know, right. it, it's just shitty to, to, to have that to happen to other people. So it just happens to be that I brought it up on a video and, and it's just the way it works. But sometimes, man, you just, you know, you just don't know. Like, I, I don't really care what people think about me in a lot of ways, but I just, I always want my content to be productive, you know, and be good. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ask, because I don't always get to ask people that are in my insider circle. Like a lot of people don't comment, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of yeah, like, thumbs is, up, bro. You yeah. know, it's cool. All right. <laughs> it's, it's really bizarre that nobody, it's very odd that like, there's not more interaction on the back end. Right. But uh, it, it's a shame on them because they're not getting, they're not getting that extra value of having a conversation right. with other members of yourself. Right. Um, and, and I, I love talking about shooting, dude. Like it's like, as soon as a comment is made, I instantly jump on it. I'm like, yeah, sweet. And then it's like, Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. And I'm like, all right, you're welcome. <laughs> like, right. It's so maybe I just answer them really well, I guess. I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of a, it's kind of an odd thing because it's like, it's a forum for, for a reason, 
right? So it's open conversation. I don't have anybody blocked in there. Like I, I want the open conversation about the videos, but it, it's kind of weird. So I don't know. Maybe I should just start adding more comments. To, maybe I'll just start commenting on my own videos. I'm like, hey, guys, what do you think about this drill of the week or the month or whatever that I did? Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, man, it's, it's fun. I, I really enjoy making the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It helps me a lot in some ways. Like this last one I just did, I was like, man, I feel so much better after I dumped that out on video, you know? And then I had some comments on Facebook on uh, YouTube that were just like, one dude almost made me cry. I was like, man, this is awesome. Like he was like, I was just about to quit. Like I'm so frustrated with my shooting. And he's like, it's so good to hear that somebody at your level is going through the same thing. I said, and what I don't think people understand is the reason I feel the way I feel is because I've already gone through this multiple levels, right? Like Mm -hmm. C class, B class, A class, master, grandmaster. I've gone through all the same feelings. It's just against different levels, right? Like I'm now at a level where perfection it almost feels like you have to be perfect mm-hmm. right and a lot of people will never ever feel what i feel so i'm like well maybe they need to know what i feel like maybe they need to understand like this is how it works like you're you're going through the same thing i'm going through manny mm-hmm. you know you're going to have the same issues i'm having right now it's just you're at a different level what you're right now you're you're climbing up the ladder to go to an a and right now you're going to run into a wall because that's just how it works. And then you're going to think, man, this is not going to get better. I just, I feel like I suck. And then all of a sudden it just clicks and all you're going to feel that you're going to feel that breakthrough. You're going to feel the breakthrough. It's really weird. Like it, you're like, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, <laughs> Like, yeah. but man, I really suck at this or that, or, and then you just start working on those things. And it's like, bam, all of a sudden you, you click the switch. And then all of a sudden a is a joke. Like you get your classifier, you go up to a classifier and you just crush it. And you're like, I've been busting my ass for this for over a year. And I just stopped trying and it just happened. And what the hell is that about? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just because you stopped trying, you know, right. you got the brain out of the way. Well, and even like for myself, like I looked at these last two batches comparatively, you know, I'm like, okay, so Buckeye, I was at 64.9% of the winner. This match, I was 72.7% of the winner. So I jumped a whole 8% difference Like from... I know you can't really compare match to match like I that, think you but. can, though. These mm-hmm. two matches were very comparable. Mm-hmm. I think these two matches were about the same amount of difficulty, bro. I'm telling you. I, I really do. I thought that the, the Buckeye Blast and the Area 5 match were very similar with the style of shooting that you had to have. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mix of flow there. Shoot something far, then close. Shoot something far, shoot something close. Shoot some no-shoots, tuxedos. They're, they they had a good flow between both matches. I, I really liked them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. And so, and I'm, I see this climb. I'm like, all right, I shot a good match here. I shot a light out, a lights out match here. Kentucky, I'm going to shoot even better. Um, yeah, but I'm okay. Man. And here's what I feel is like, if I don't clap, I'm fine with being B-class for the rest of the season. I told Chris Gelnett today, um, it's like, dude, I feel like I'm ready to go to fucking nationals and, and go, go for the title at nationals is how good I feel right now. But I've yeah. also come to the mentality of I shoot my best when I just have fun today. Yeah. Like, like I don't, I'm not stressing about anything. I'm just, I'm here to have fun. And I let my shooting do the damn talking because yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. I don't need to talk all the shit on the internet or, yeah. <laughs> or on the stage anymore. I'm like, screw you guys. Yeah. Uh, you all can be bitching about how shitty you're shooting because right. you're not prepared. You're not ready. Uh, I'm just going to let my shooting talk for me. Yeah. So, I I mean, I, you're on the money, dude. Like I I try to, like, I had a guy that I've, uh, an an SRO come up to me today from 
uh, at the range I was at, uh, Fishhawk is where I've been uh, sporting clays over in uh, Fishhawk is actually where it's at. So um, he comes up to me and he starts asking me about what is the number one thing I see in, in shooters? And I said, they cannot let go of their results, period. It's mm -hmm. the number one thing that I deal with in training and coaching and classes is they cannot let go of their results. So I hear all the time. I don't, I've never moved and shot on steel. I don't think I can do it. Okay. How about just walking <laughs> and pulling the trigger when the sights land on the steel? Let's start with simple walking. And then all of a sudden they start walking and they go bing, 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 bing. And they look at me and they're like, I go, isn't that crazy? When you focused on something that didn't have to do with the score, it just magically appeared with bullets on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the hardest thing. And the second hardest thing is getting people to go faster. Like it is so difficult to get people to understand that you shoot way faster than you are right now. But how do you get them to do that? Because what they do is they go right to the trigger. I'm just going to rip the gun. I'm like, yeah, but then look at your shitty hits, right? Like mm -hmm. accuracy always matters, but accuracy falls because you're going faster than you can see. Once your eyes catch up, then all of a sudden your scores come back. Did that make you a more accurate shooter or did, were you always the accurate shooter, but you lost your accuracy because you were going faster than you can see? That's exactly what it is. You didn't lose your accuracy. You didn't become less accurate. You didn't all of a sudden go faster and become more accurate. <laughs> you were just as accurate as you were before, but now you're doing new things at higher speed. So it takes time for your brain to catch up. And then you'll do that again. And your accuracy will seem like it went down, but it really didn't. It's just that you're going faster than you can see again. So then all of a sudden those Charlies or those mics turn into deltas and then you go faster and now all of a sudden those deltas turned into charlies and then you get to like that point you're probably a master because now you're char shooting alpha charlie alpha charlie alpha charlie all of a sudden you get to that next level of speed and then you start shooting alphas and now you're getting four charlies instead of eight charlies mm -hmm. right now you're a grandmaster you didn't even think about it it just happened because you just kept pushing the speed limit pushing the speed limit pushing the speed limit so i mean listen you cannot slow down in this sport you just can't I, I, this weekend proved it <laughs> like yeah. my hits versus Nils and John were right on the money. Right. And I talked to Nils about a little bit about it at the end of the match. He goes, dude, you ended up having to shoot more conservative because you were trying to make up shots that you really didn't need to make up. So my alpha count was 291. Nils was 303. Right. John's was 295. I was 291. I had five Delta. John had four Delta. Nils had none. That guy sucks, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just, it, it, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where you're, you're looking at, you're looking at your scores and you're like, well, I was right there, but I was so conservative. I lost in time and that's not how I shoot. So I didn't get to shoot like myself for whatever reason, but we'll see. I got area four. I'm getting my damn revenge on my, myself, not even anybody else. I just want to shoot like me at this match and do what I do. Right. Cause yeah, you're, you're going to leave what? So it is Tuesday. So you're leaving tomorrow, right? I leave Friday. Leaving? No, I'm leaving Friday. So okay. I don't shoot till Saturday, Sunday for that match. So I'll, I'll come in Friday. I, I took the, I, I try to take one way flights, um, even though it costs me usually in my sleep, <laughs> Yeah. but those one way flights sure are nice when you're on in the air, in the air for two and a half hours versus in a, on a trip for eight, because you're, you know, layover after layover after layover. So I will sacrifice a little sleep so I can get home sooner and uh, spend time with my family or, or whatever, you know, get out of here early, but mm -hmm. it works out pretty good for me so far. I'm probably going to change that as I 
as I travel more because I, the, the sleep thing, if I don't sleep the night before the next day is worthless Monday. I mean, there's a couple of days that I've been coming home from matches and I took that. I didn't get a lot of sleep and dude, I'm, I can't even stay awake. I'm, I'm falling asleep on the couch. So just, I lose an entire day, you know, yeah. it becomes worth It's like, okay, well I could have just came in later <laughs> and actually had a normal sleep instead of being a damn zombie for the next day. Just worthless. Wasted the day anyway. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Monday was rough for me. So I was like, I, I yeah. should have taken the day off. I actually did well, man. I had, um, I stayed at, I stayed at Matt's and I uh, actually went to bed at a decent hour. I got about five hours of sleep and then I slept on the plane. So I actually got like real sleep. Normally I get two hours of sleep and then get on that plane. So it's like, yeah, that's, that doesn't do well, mm -hmm. but it worked out good, man. So yeah, brother, it was great seeing you. I'm, I'm glad I didn't get to see much at area five. You were busy working and, uh, we, we got out of there a little bit early before you guys finished. So yeah it was all good i mean i got to see you got i got to watch you uh bang some stages away and not not as well as you'd hope to but uh it's always a pleasure to see you especially uh, uh giving matt shit because everyone deserves to give matt kobe shit <laughs> well, he, gives a he did well dude i was proud of him he did really well he didn't quit he didn't get down on himself um i don't think he could quit because he was he was driving you around yeah, he definitely wasn't. I'd beat his ass. <laughs> like, I'm not going yeah, home. Yeah, but it was nice, dude. It was good to see him. I haven't seen him in a long time, so it was cool. We got to hang out a little bit and uh, spend some time together. So hopefully he'll be uh, – th I'm trying to get him to come to PCC Nats, but I don't know if he's going to make it. They, uh, I think he got in late, and then uh, I don't think they need staff at all or anything, so I think it's going to be hard for him to get into that. But Plus, I mean, dude, you got to think about it, man. You start a new job. He's been at his new job for less than a year. It's almost a year, and he's going to have – you know, you're just on vacation. You know, this stuff mm -hmm. takes a lot of time out of your life if you, uh, cause he's certainly in using vacation to practice. I promise you that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that part of your podcast where you go, uh, so what about those sponsors? And I'm like, ah, this is going to be good. He's like, man, I'm not that guy. And then the pro you're like, what's your training regimen? He's like, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I was like, dude, that is the, the best, but it, it was pretty funny. So but all right, brother, we'll wrap it up. You got anything? Tell us all about your sponsors. Whoop, whoop. Tell well, about your podcast too, bro. Well, we will. But first we got to plug the class we're doing up here. Oh, that's right. In sure, August, <laughs> uh, 19th and 20th. There's plenty of slots still available. If I'm correct. I think we're half full, dude. Really? All right. Yeah, that's, a, so. that's an update for yeah. myself. Yeah, I, I, didn't know that. I think we're, I think I, I, if I remember correctly, I had a couple of people sign up, but I don't, I haven't, I haven't really paid attention till until I get closer. Good. So we got eight, uh, the 19th and 20th of August at Brooklyn Sportsman's Club where Area 5 was. So it's uh, we're going to be using the dreaded Bay 5. So uh, your, healing, your feelings will be better about that Bay. Uh, <laughs> you'll get some learning on. So anyway, uh, there's that class. But the, the podcast, Many Talk Shooting, is going strong. An episode a week. Uh, we're at 107 episodes, I want to think. I've, I'm recording tomorrow night. I'm sitting down with Craig. So by yeah. the time this comes out, that Craig's episode will be out too. Nice. So um yeah, yeah so craig mcelaney you guys know who that is the my buddy who comes on here all the time well he hasn't been on in a little bit but craig mcelaney so that'd be cool to kind of check out and he has always got a really interesting story because he's a fireman uh he's been well fireman paramedic retired baby let's go uh swat member for 26 years uh so really really great guy so it, it should be a good podcast for you yeah it'll be great and i'm, I'm glad to sit down with him and chit chat because uh uh he's a good dude and uh We'll uh, we'll bang that out. We got a couple more coming up. Oh, God, we're it's it's. I can't believe we're already past a hundred episodes of that podcast. Yeah, that's it's, pretty cool. Um, it's a lot of hard work, dedication, and I think my wife. Uh, she won't listen to this, but I thank her greatly for her patience and her uh, <laughs> her understanding of my dreams and passions. So, uh, cool. 
But yeah, so uh, the partners we have with the podcast, um, I'm very lucky. Uh, Bill Duda, Go Fast, Don't Suck. Uh, I wear this hat not because it's close, but it also covers my receding hairline. So uh, I have to wear a hat now. It just works that way for me. So, um, But Brian at Hunter's HD Gold, uh, he's been supportive of the podcast. If I ask for something, he's like, he's like, how high do I need to jump? I'm like, thanks, Brian. Uh, <laughs> our, our mutual sponsor, uh, Jason uh, Bunderson of Dominate Defense. Best belts in the business by far none. Um, Love that it, belt, dude. <laughs> oh, and it's even funnier. And then we've got uh, Nathan uh, Dively of DivTech, uh, the best magnets out there, too. Um, I don't use mine like you use yours, but my, I, I use mine every stage. It just holds my main mag. Yeah. But um, I use Nathan, mine for only when I have to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Knock my shit off of there. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah. who else do we got? We got Jason. We got Targets USA. I mean, shit, like half of our people we hang out, we, we deal with are the same. That's awesome. Uh, what else we got? Chili Custom Gunworks. They make the fi- some of the finest 2011 parts out there. Um, he sponsored. He was the title sponsor of the match. Um, my guns are on flawless. So after I figured out like some of the safety issues that I had that needed to be trimmed down, not his fault obviously, but so Chili Custom Gunworks uh, makes awesome parts. Uh, Range Panda. Eric Steiner's uh, been supportive and uh, he's been good for me too because uh, he's someone really to like look after and chase because we all know he shoots really good stages yet he also has dumpster fires. So it. Uh, <laughs> It's it's a it's a real dude. Person. He's gotten better about the dumpster fire. He's not yeah. having as many. He's getting he's looking pretty good, man. Yeah, he just needs to get that G card next to his name for open final. Yeah, I think he's smart, standing master, in my opinion. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a hell of a lot easier in there. A hell yeah. of a lot easier, but even still hard. I mean, listen, there's still a lot of great shooters at master. They just haven't hit the card yet. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and then we've got laugh and load. They they make my official T shirts. I gotta I gotta get some of those made up for the class because. I just need to give everybody a fucking t-shirt or something. <laughs> but uh that's cool. Else, do I have is that everybody? If I forgot. Oh, Summit City Bullets. I partnered with them recently. Um, I'm helping their company grow a little bit on the mark on the uh on the side of getting out there. And I they're the reason they sponsored uh, a bay at uh, Area Five. I was like, you know, that's a good way to spend your money. And especially when he didn't realize you send certs. You don't send product, you send certs. And then if nobody <laughs> turns it in, it's not money you gotta give away. That's right. <laughs> Which is what most people don't do. They don't turn the stuff in a lot of times. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, I think if I missed anybody, I feel bad. But uh, I, I don't have a list in front of me. That's the hard part. But... That's because it's not your podcast, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, that's awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, when you talk to Craig, uh, just so you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Craig is one of the reasons I started coaching. Actually, he is the reason I started coaching. Um, I have another buddy, Dwayne Spires, who kind of inspired me to go to the next uh, level of where I'm at right now uh, or where I was. But uh, Craig met me. I met him at Area 6. We've been friends almost five years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he met, I met him at Area 6 the first year I shot PCC there. And he was like, look, dude, do you ever coach? And I happened to beat Maxley Agronis on a stage, and which I sucked. I just... I didn't know, but I, I beat him on a stage and actually I beat him on two stages at that match. He beat my butt. Uh, I just kept falling out of bounds. Like I, I was terrible. Um, so I, I got a chance. Craig walked up and I was talking to my buddy Ryan and he comes up and he goes, Hey, do you do any classes or whatever? And I go, you know, I actually have thought about it a couple, a little bit. And I was like, all right, man, I, I will do a class because you asked. And I set my class up around his schedule (laughs) i changed the dates on my class like three or four times just to make sure he was in it and um yeah it was pretty cool 
it, it was really cool. It, it, and you know, we've been friends, <laughs> dude, we're like really, really best friends. Like I talk to that guy every single day, a couple times a day sometimes. So, I mean, I know his wife, his kid, like he's just, he's awesome. He's one of my favorite people in the world, man. I could talk to that guy about anything. So he's just, he's just a great guy. Yeah. And so, I can't wait, I can't get to wait to get to know him and we'll, uh, we'll bang it out and make a, a banging podcast. That's for sure. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. He's, he's cool, dude. He's got a lot of really good stuff. That guy's got so many stories. Just, I don't know how many, I don't have any stories he can tell on your podcast because <laughs> he, he's a fireman for 20 something years, man. I'm, he sees a lot of shit. Let me tell you what he sees a lot of shit. So he's a, he's a, he's an interesting guy to get to know. He's cool with shit. He's a, he's just a great down to earth guy. You know what I mean? Like he's just a normal guy that just, he's, he's awesome. Like that guy a lot, but so, all right, brother, everybody. If you're interested in a class, obviously Alex talked about it. I got a class in Michigan. I have a class in Virginia coming up. I have a class in Pennsylvania coming up. Um, I'm going to try to put another Florida class together. Somebody asked me about doing one, but um, I'm ready. Let's get it. I got two weeks till nationals. I have area four coming up this weekend. I'm excited to go shoot there. It looks like there's going to be some good heat. I want to get my, um, uh, We'll get a little revenge back on Nils because he's going to be there. So I'm excited to see him. It looks like Christian Seiler's shooting that match. So hopefully, uh, well, this podcast will come out on Monday. So we'll see if that, um, <laughs> it'll be after the match. So we'll see what, how I did, but um, kind of a little prequel, I guess, talking about it, but it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I, I had a really good practice. I got to practice tomorrow. And uh, all I'm focusing on is vision right now, trying to clean up a lot of my mess. But if you guys have any questions, hit me up. And I'll see you on the range.